Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. are underway and DraftKings is bringing you to the podium. DraftKings free-to-play pools are available every day of the games in Tokyo and offering a free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes. That's up to $50,000 up for grabs and the best part is it's free-to-play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. You just download the DraftKings app now, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes every day of the games in Tokyo. Head to DraftKings pool page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Hello everyone, my name is Ryan Stacy, and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, you can visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Pat Malloy, NHL player development and skills coach. Pat is one of those hockey minds who had a little bit of a late entry into the game but has progressed very quickly through the ranks with constant learning en route to the NHL level, and his story is covered in full for listeners here today. With that, here's Pat Malloy, NHL player development and skills coach. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Pat Malloy, NHL player development and skills coach. Pat, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me. 
yeah, I always love getting the development skills coaches on just because I think it offers a different perspective. But kind of going through your resume as well, we see a lot of coaching and, and even some management experiences. So I, I think there's going to be a lot of different angles to kind of look at uh, in this interview, but I'm excited to get started. So let's just start by learning more about you, talk about your upbringing, playing sports in your early years and provide some more information for our listeners. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, my my sort of my baptism to hockey um, came as a, as a young player. I guess I probably started playing a little later than most. I, I, I probably started playing when I was 10 years old, I think. And the way I'd got into it is, is my mom's husband, um, you know, my mom and my dad are split. My, my mom's husband, um, was a hockey player and, and sort of introduced me to it. And really with no pressure or anything it was just, Hey, do you, you know, do you want to try this out? And, um, I can still remember, you know, sort of my, my first days as a hockey player and it, you know, it wasn't that storybook, um, sort of story where it was, you know, I was anything other than just a kid trying to play a new sport and try it out. And, and, you know, I fell in love with it right away. And, um, at, at that point, you know, I lived in Brockville, um, just on the St. Lawrence in Ontario. And, and it was something that I just, you know, I really became all consumed with and, um, didn't really, you know, I don't come from a family that was, was big into hockey or to sports. So it was something that was sort of self-driven and passion driven from my, by myself. Um, when I was well, going back a lot of years now, aging myself a little bit, I guess maybe when I was 13 or 14, um, I, I moved to live with my dad in Pembroke. So another sort of hockey hotbed in Ontario, both those towns are, um, you know, big into hockey. And, and so to go from playing, you know, in, in the Brockville minor hockey system and then moving to Pembroke where, you know, uh, you know, people will sort of refer to the Lumber Kings as the Montreal Canadians of junior a hockey, if you will, very storied franchise. And so, you know, being able to play in Pembroke and, and to see the passion and, and, you know, make friends that, that were hockey players and, and that sort of stuff, it, it really just, the bug bit me. And it was something that, you know, I didn't have parents that were um, super into sports. Uh, it was something that I really drove myself just based on sheer enjoyment of, of the sport and, and a passion for it and, and just fell in love with it from an early age. Um, can really remember having an admiration for the way the Oilers played, the way Detroit played and, and, you know, going through that Gretzky phase where I just loved how, you know, a player like that, that you see all these monsters on the ice and a player like that had everybody moving the way he wanted them to move. And, you know, the next kind of guy that caught my eye was, you know, I, I became enamored with a Pavel Bure. I just never seen anybody skate like that. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's been a lifelong passion, but it's certainly been one that, you know, I guess I kind of discovered, um, got the bug just from doing it. Um, didn't really get steered into it at all. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting when you get kind of an organic entry to the game and, and we hear a lot of other guests who have kind of been in a similar situation where they're kind of the, the first one in the family to really uh, gravitate towards the sport or, or any sport for that matter. And, um, you know, when you have that obsession early on and you really become in, infused in the game on a daily basis, there's pretty much two directions it goes. It's one, a, a full-time playing career or, or you make the decision to go into coaching and that side of it. And for you, as we can see through your resume and your experiences up to date, um, you definitely the coaching direction and that development role has been kind of uh, how the game has taken you. So 
maybe uh, one of the early experiences that you've had, it wasn't as an assistant coach and development coach with the Ottawa Junior Senators. Um, maybe walk us through that position and then what you learned in that early role. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I kind of got thrust into to wanting to stay involved in the game at an early age. Um, obviously, as most players, I mean, I had dreams of playing. Unfortunately for me, you know, even something to this day that I still deal with, um, I've had some some chronic things from a, a abdominal wall and, and groin issue that sort of prevented me from playing as high as I would have liked to. Um, you know, not long ago, just had an, another double hernia surgery, and it's just something that, you know, it was heartbreaking because I think like every young player, you want to play, um, but when you, you know, I'm not the biggest guy in the world, and, and when you can't move the way your brain wants you to move, um, it, it really, you know, sort of took the wind out of your sails. But I realized quickly that, you know, I didn't want to be away from the game. I didn't want to have my story be that, you know, here's this guy that could really skate as a young guy, but, you know, couldn't do it anymore because body kept breaking down. And I thought, you know what, there's just, there's a passion here and, and how can I contribute and what ways can I, you know, still be involved in the game. And so at a young age, I, I you know, I started to volunteer my time um, trying to give back to the game um, and got into coaching. And, you know, in the early days, you know, it, it was as, as young as like, you know, volunteering my time in an initiation program in West Carlton minor hockey, um, building my way up, coaching some teams um, within that organization, um, which kind of led me to, you know, the Ottawa Valley Titans was sort of the next step. And then my first sort of foray into the highest levels of hockey beyond, you know, triple A or, or tier one hockey in, in minor was the Ottawa junior senators. And, and it was, um, they were looking for an assistant coach and they had, you know, heard about the, the idea that I had started my own um, private development business and, you know, started to work with some players very organically. And, and they offered me the director of player development position to go with an assistant coach, because as you're, you know, around the game long enough, you realize you're, you're certainly not uh, retiring off of working at the junior A level. So, um, you know, I really have always had a passion for the development aspect, um, not just controlling players ice time, but, but ultimately helping them earn it. And um, that, you know, foray at, at the junior level was something that I really, really enjoyed because it kind of gave me that first taste of what makes players tick, you know, um, at that level, um, all good players, you know, the choices they have and the struggles that they had to try to improve, to get to where they're going, whether it was to graduate to major junior or, or to, you know, to earn a scholarship and continue to play. So, um, you know, always been very grateful that, that those guys, um, in Ottawa at the time. And it was Mike Wong and Fred Crouch were the owners at the time and gave me an opportunity to go in there. And, and as a young guy, um, with really no experience, you know, start to build my resume and, and put some belief in me. So it was, uh, it was certainly a, a validating feeling to be able to, to get in the game at that level. Yeah. And anytime you can do that at a young age, I think it's just, um, you know, adds another element and, uh, you know, su such a, a junior position at a young age, it really works well for you moving forward. And, and one of the things you talked about there um, just before moving into that junior opportunity was the ability to coach at the AAA level. Um, with the Valley Titans and uh, you know without going into too much detail maybe just uh, go back on that position and then talk about some of the things you learned even at the minor level uh, before making the jump to junior yeah I mean my first uh, my first foray at that level 
um, I, I worked with a fellow named Mark Atkinson and we took over the 1990 birth year uh, Ottawa Valley Titan team. And, and that particular team was, was a, a really good team, one of the better teams in the province. And, and uh, sort of my baptism by fire in, in that respect was that um, we found ourselves um, in the provincials, which, you know, for anybody that follows the minor hockey loop is a pretty big deal. And, you know, we're playing the Markham Waxers that have got Steven Stamkos and the Toronto Junior Canadians that have got PK Subban and, you know, Alex Petrangelo. And so, you know, it was really the first time that I had seen that next high end sort of play. And, and you know, what intrigued me about that whole situation was, not only from a development standpoint do I have a passion, but I recognized, you know, boy, it's it's fun to be involved at hockey at that level. And, and it, it really became alluring because um, you, you see what makes good teams function. You see um, the different components and how they come together and, and really help me form sort of my thoughts on, on how um, I'd like to be as a coach and, and ultimately as a head coach. And, and from there... I took uh, over the, the 1992 birth year and that particular group was a pretty special group. That's a group that, you know, as, as a, a young head coach at that time, um, you know, not all that much older than the players um, in, in general senses of the term, you know, a lot of times you think, you know, here's this 50 year old guy. Well, I wasn't 50 at the time, um, you know, so it, it was, it was interesting and it was, it was fun because it was a very, a very talented team. A lot of those kids are still playing today and a lot of them are development clients now, which is sort of validating for myself because, you know, I've had a lot of time and years put into to their successes and um, to be able to stay in touch with those people has, has been really great. That particular team for us, um, special because we went undefeated as a group and that, you know, I'm not a guy at the minor hockey level that believes in wins and losses but what's validating about a season like that where we were undefeated was that just the, the hunger of each of those players to get better every day um, and, and to learn how to be good young men and, and good people, despite having good teams, learning, you know, some resilience in tough situations, um, learning some, some, um, some honor for the game, some love for the game and some respect for the game, you know, teaching young players that when you're maybe playing a lesser team, um, rather than running up scores and doing things, learning to be respectful of the game and being good people um, was something that was really um, important for me and, and really validating for me that um, that group bought into that and, and we did some special things as a group. So, you know, I, I would really say those, um, back in those days, Barry Labrie w was the president and, you know, um, Jeff Bame is another name that, that was on the board at that time. And, you know, I can't thank those guys enough for sort of giving me my start in terms of bench coaching experience and, you know, at a high level. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's helped form, you know, not only the development coach I think I am today, but, but, you know, a bench coach that I am today is just giving me some rope and some guidance and some, some tutelage to be able to develop, uh, you know, as a coach and a person was, was great. For sure. And, and, you know, for people who haven't gone through the experience of coaching at the AAA level, um, you know, it, it might be minor hockey, but you look at the players that go through and, and be successful, especially when you're going, looking into a draft year and um, just dealing with all the things, whether it's, uh, you know, scouts calling in or parents and um, advisors and, and various skills coaches like yourself. You know, there's so many moving parts. So um, definitely a beneficial role and something that would, like you said, lead into your um, junior coaching career and 
The next position I want to talk about is your time with Kemp Phil as a head coach and general manager. Talk about that role specifically in that team and then what you learned kind of working in that dual role for that program. Yeah, uh, you know, timelines are a little different. I, I wound up leaving. Um, I, I had kind of two stints with the junior senators. Um, I wound up leaving, you know, the, the Titans level um, and, and took a job in, in junior again. Um, and, and at the time, um, there was some turnover at the junior sends level and I was sort of the, the co-head coach, which was kind of an interesting concept um, and, and learned a little bit, you know, from that level, learning the league and stuff. But an opportunity came um, in Kempville and it was something that, you know, it was, you know, as a younger guy, again, was was too good to pass up. You know, I, I was offered the head coach and general manager role, you know, on a, a smaller market team. Um, and what was really validating about that is, is the players, um, some of which I had coached um, on the Titans, were sort of the ones that spearheaded, you know, to ownership saying, you know, we'd like to try to, to bring this guy on board to, to help us and to run our club. And so, um, you know, that was really my, my first um, big job, if you will, in hockey, you know, in terms of running an organization. And it was certainly a challenging one. Um, but you learn a ton. So, you know, as a smaller market team, specifically in what was the Central Junior Hockey League at the time, which is now the, the Central Canada Hockey League, um, you know, we had those juggernauts like the Pembroke Lumber Kings and, and, and whatnot. And, and Sheldon Keefe, you know, did a great job there. But, you know, I can remember going in with, with our Kempville 73s team, which was a newer team at the time. And, you know, obviously junior hockey is a really budget-driven endeavor. And, you know, we did a good job of trying to identify players, but it was always from a recruiting standpoint, you know, when you know you're on the right players when certain teams are on them too, but, you know, maybe our buying power was a little bit different. So we had to do things a little bit more organically and try to develop our people. Um, and so, uh, you know, you can remember going in and, and playing the big vaunted Pembroke Lumber Kings with, you know, 19-year-old guys with beards, and I'm rolling in with, with 16- and 17-year-old kids that are talented, but they're just boys still, and they're, they're developing. And so it was um, – you learn an absolute ton about the underpinnings of, of the junior hockey world, where players come from, and, and agents, and negotiating, and recruitment, and, um, you know, as a smaller budget team – you know, making sure the laundry's getting done so that next day at practice, everybody's got fresh stuff and, um, you know, dealing with billets and, and trying to find staff with a limited budget. And um, you learn an absolute ton and, and it was a, a great experience. You know, we, we certainly weren't, you know, everyone wants to win championships and everybody wants to, you know, to be the best, best team ever. And, and, you know, I don't think that was any different for us, but we also, you know, didn't reach those goals, but we did develop a lot of hockey players and a lot of people. And, you know, we're really proud of the fact that there was an NHL draft pick, I think of a Ben Hutton that, you know, was in Toronto last year, for instance, was, was a player that uh, was a center iceman when I got to that team. And, you know, we'd looked at it and made the decision to, to turn him into a defenseman and, um, you know, wound up being drafted to the national hockey league and had a division one scholarship to Maine. And, and so those are some validating things in that, you know, he had to play minutes that maybe if we weren't a more established team, you know, he may not have had the opportunity to play some of those minutes early on as a young player. And I, I think he'd tell you, and I firmly believe that, you know, that helped him along. You know, I think of another kid, Blaine Byron, that was a Pittsburgh draft pick. Um, you know, those kids had to play, 
really important, impactful minutes at a young age. And, and while maybe as a group, we weren't as successful as we would have liked to be specifically from a depth perspective. And some of those things, you know, a lot of our kids, I won't say had a baptism by fire, but had an opportunity that maybe they wouldn't have got if, if, you know, Kempfel had been a little farther along in terms of its development as a, as a hockey market and, uh, and, a you know, growing in, in, into a bigger market team, if you will. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a, you know, an interesting point. Just a lot of times a junior, it's the, it's a fine line for sure between winning and, and development. And, and some people struggle with it and then some people go, uh, you know, firmly in one direction or the other. But uh, as you said, for a player like Hutton situation, you know, getting those extra minutes on defense uh, on a younger, less experienced team um, maybe actually pushes him to to that further development and NHL level. Whereas you said in, in a different program, maybe that wouldn't be the case. And um, These are all things that you learn over time. And, and one of the programs that you talked about a few times there was Pembroke and um, continuing with the CCHL. And we'll go back on some of the other experiences later, but um, you actually would spend six seasons uh, with that program. So uh, just talk about the opportunity to to get in there and, and take your philosophies to that program and then uh, some of the tasks associated with your roles. Yeah, uh, you know, it was a bit of a bucket list item for me to be able, you know, having spent a portion of my childhood growing up in Pembroke, um, you know, when, when my time was, was done in Kempville, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't without um, a job opportunity long. Um, Dale McTavish is a, is a lad that, you know, coaching in minor hockey, we had sons the same age and, and got to kind of know me and what I was about, you know, from a development standpoint and, um, you know, sort of recognize that, um, especially at the minor hockey level, I was always a guy that believed that, you know, development was, was key. You know, something people will hear me say is that every league below the national hockey league is a development league. Um, and I know winning and, and different things come into play and, and, you know, I've certainly done my share of winning, but, um, I also think, especially at young ages, it, it can't come at the expense of putting players in positions. And so we developed a bit of a relationship and he had, had not long uh, retired from playing and and bought uh, the Pembroke Lumber Kings from Sheldon. And, and, you know, the first call was, hey, do you want to, you know, you've got some experience at, at this level now. And um, I'd like to think that you know, I've treated people right. And my reputation was such and said, Hey, do you want to come on this journey with me? And I said, you know what? Sure. Um, and it, it was, it was a blast. It was a whole other, um, you know, nothing against the Kempfels of the world and that it was a smaller market team at the time. It was, again, it was kind of like going from an expansion team to, you know, um, to an original six team is, is really what it felt like. And, um, attendance at games and passion and, and fans are into it and, and the heritage behind it. And, and just, you know, it was different. It, it was the same Pat Malloy calling to recruit a player. Um, but the phone call would go a little different when, when it was me calling from Pembroke versus when it was me calling from, from Kempville. And I, I don't know that that's right because, um, you know, I, I don't know that I did anything any different. It's just, you know, we, we had the ability to do some things financially maybe that we couldn't do, you know, I couldn't do in, in other places. And, and it was it was really intriguing because, you know, you're selling a whole different experience, not just the way you're going to develop them as a player and, and the way that you'll build your team. But, you know, in, in Pembroke, as a player, you know, you were a somebody and, and 
there were people in the building and people cared about what went on with the team and, and, you know, people cared, you know, how, how players handled themselves in public. And, you know, as a Pembroke Lumber King, you were really engaged in the community and it was something that we really believed strongly in. And, um, you know, it, it was some, certainly some of the best years of, of most enjoyable years of my life in terms of the passion. The only thing I look back on is, boy, we had some, some really strong teams, specifically my, my first go around there, um, because I, I kind of had it split up while I, I was doing some things with an NHL job at one point. So I, I left and then I'd come back, but in that first stint, we, we, you know, we went to the semifinals one year and in the finals, another of two of those three years. And, um, you know, people will still talk about the hockey that, that us and Carlton place played against one another as being some of the best hockey that they'd seen, um, in this area. And, and it was, you know, it was on par with major junior hockey at the time in, in terms of the way that, you know, our two teams were built. And, uh, so it, it was, it was great. It was, you know, I, I still have family there and, it was an honor that building has got some some mystique to it uh, the pembroke memorial center is you know for those that that haven't had a chance you know pembroke's called hockey town canada for a reason and uh yeah it, it was a special time for sure yeah it, it seems again like a like a place that you really enjoyed and were able to, to take something from and uh like you said just having the the name of the, the lumber kings behind you it changes the approach even though you're approach doesn't change you know with recruiting and, and some of the things that you did on ice um you know it's, it's just a different uh, feel around the organization and and you're able to work with these other organizations and and take some from each one and um and then today in the cchl you are with smith's fall bears um talk about your current position with that organization and then maybe what a week looks like uh when you're dealing with different things uh in in your dual role yeah, I mean, notwithstanding the pandemic, it's it's hockey's a small world, you know. Um, a player that we had involved with in Pembroke wound up him and his family wound up buying Smith Falls, and um, you know, w- when the dominoes fall and different openings become available, I was approached um, by them and 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 by a friend in, in Rob Dobson, who's a, you know a Smith Falls based guy and, and played a little bit for the Penguins back in the day. Um, and him and I coached together with the Ottawa junior senators and approached me and said, listen, you know, we need guidance. And, um, you know, I, I looked at it and there's good people involved there and, and said, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd certainly like to be part of it. And, um, you know, a typical week, it's obviously it's hockey's a 365, you know, day a year in adventure, really. Um, there's no off season per se, um, you know, in, in normal times, you know, a typical schedule at, at the Central Canada Hockey League level, you're you're typically practicing at minimum four times a week, um, mostly five times a week. And then you've got, you know, 62 games. Um, so, you know, Mondays would be kind of a, a team lift day and, and a skills day, which, you know, I'd kind of add that portion to the general manager and associate coach role in, in that um, – you know, I'd, I'd sort of spearhead this, the, the development initiatives. And Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are, are practice days and, and varying topics, you know, to get ready for your weekend set against who you are playing. Um, you know, being a general manager as well as, as an associate head coach, it, it's it's one of those things where your phones are always busy. You're always, you know, sort of keeping track with your colleagues about things going on in the league. Um, you're trying to coordinate your scouts, um, 
you know, our league is driven by a Bantam draft. And so trying to get out and see Bantam players play and, and, you know, regularly scheduled scouting meetings with your people to see, um, you know, what everyone's lists looking like and, and, you know, reaffirm sort of the DNA of the types of players that we like, um, you know, talking to your outer region scouts, your, your U S scouts, um, the, the, you know, the guys that you've got touring the prep circuit, um, it's sort of just juggling everyone's schedule and, and keeping tabs on making sure everyone knows that, you know, they're important and, and we have a common vision and, and making sure that um, there's a steady flow of communication um, is a big part of it. You know, obviously league duties and things, there's meetings and calls and, and different stuff from an administrative standpoint, um, keeping track of your billets and any issues from that perspective, ensuring that, from a community standpoint, our players are, are, um, active and busy and yeah, I mean, it's, it's really an all encompassing role and, and it's, um, it's rewarding, but it, it, it's busy and it's, it's, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. I mean, any day that, any day that you're involved in hockey sure beats a day, um, you know, regular work. And I, I'll, I'll make the joke. Someone will say, how's the day going on? You know, or, it sure beats digging a ditch. So it's, uh, it's it's always a good day to be in a rink but there's certainly you know anybody that thinks that um it's fancy or you know it's this cushy position boy oh boy um come spend a day come spend a week it's 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 a grind it's it's getting video ready for practice it's getting video ready for games it's coordinating who's doing what where when and why and how and it's uh but i wouldn't change it for the world no, definitely. I, I like. I think you summed it up pretty good there, and the fact that every day is a little bit different, and and you kind of have to be ready for each and every task, especially when you're in a dual role, which is a lot of the cases in um, in the junior hockey level and junior A level. So, uh, yeah, definitely better than than doing any other job in the world, but better be ready to work all the same. Yeah. Um, one of the things that uh, we see outside of your experience in, in kind of the Ottawa area is. Uh, some of the NHL roles that you've been able to kind of uh, work in and different development opportunities. So um, let's go through a few of those, just starting maybe with the opportunity with the Buffalo Sabres and, and the chance to work with some elite players at the NHL level. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's maybe one of the things I'm most proud of. Um, you know, I, I, I think for for your listeners, they they kind of recognize the heritage-based aspect of hockey as a sport and and so I, I didn't have a thousand game NHL career to 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 lean back on to get an opportunity I, I don't have you know a guy I played for 500 games with to call up and say hey I need a job and so for years what you know one of the things I'm most proud about is that the way my clientele has built has, has really been organic and word of mouth um, so I'm not a really avid self-promoter i i find that really difficult um to to be out on social or wherever telling everybody about myself and um i i didn't have that handoff from from people so you know i can remember working right under the nose of of an nhl team here in ottawa and and weirdly my first opportunity came in buffalo and and interestingly you know it was a crew of guys i guess that maybe took notice of some of the stuff that i was doing that wound up running buffalo at the time but i'm, I'm really validated and proud because i feel like i had earned my right to advance at that point the, the quality of the work that i did and to this day that's the one thing that i'm, I'm maybe most proud of is um 
it's all about the quality of your work. Your ability to impact the performance of others is really something I pride myself on. And, you know, I, I, I proud of the fact that I'm not this, this self-promoting guy and maybe it's to my detriment. I don't know, but you know, I'm not DMing players or calling players or reaching out ever. And whether that's right or wrong, I don't know, but I, I'm just really proud of the idea that, you know, my reputation had started to build from a developmental standpoint based on word of mouth from players and the successes that they were having from the things we had done together. And so, you know, when the Buffalo thing started or, or came around, it was, it was really my first foray at the team level per se. Um, and what was really interesting, you know, upon getting that opportunity and, and um, I, I was talking to you earlier and told the funny story, the kind of the way that I found out I, I got the job, you know, I you send your resume and you, you do all this stuff when you hear that they're interested in talking to you. And um, the way I found out I got the job was I, I opened my email and there's a contract in my inbox and I, thought geez you know what a way to find out that you guess you got so I I, I, re, I recall um, getting the person on the phone I said you know so does this mean I, I got the gig and and uh, they said yeah you know you just got to sign it and return it so we can get your visa and everything worked out and um, I was like oh you know it was this sort of anticlimactic way of figuring out you know I don't know maybe we draw things up in our head a little funny um, but it was it was really interesting how it all came about and what was really um, you know, my first shot with, you know, one of at that time, what, 31 franchises in the world. I was blessed that they gave me a lot of opportunity, a lot of rope. Um, Tim Murray is someone that, um, you know, there's a public persona of him, but he is a very forward thinking guy. Um, and, and, you know, with me, evidence-based is really um, – what I'm about, I, I'm not one of these skills coaches or skating coaches that that does things because they look cool. I'm always asking myself, is what we're doing working? And, you know, he was very keen on different insights and things because I guess, you know, maybe I look at things from a different lens um, than, than maybe a player that played a thousand games. And, and I have all the respect in the world for those guys. But, you know, my process in, in terms of how people learn and impacting human performance is something that um, I think intrigued. And so I got a ton of opportunity with the Sabres, with the Rochester Americans um, at the time, even with the Elmira uh, Jackals was our East Coast or, or affiliate. And, you know, to be able to sort of spearhead development plans individually for players reporting um, development camp was, was, you know, such a cool experience in terms of being able to work with player like Jack Eichel, um, you know, Sam Reinhardt, some of these, these guys coming in and, and seeing them from right from their infancy in the national hockey league. And, um, you know, really proud of something, you know, the way that a, a player like Jake McCabe, who, when I, I first started was in Rochester is, you know, really developed into a, a good national hockey league defenseman. Um, and so it, it was, it was really neat to sort of see that the problems, the discussions, the, um, the conversations, the evaluations, the analysis at the national hockey league really isn't all that different than, than a lot of the conversations we were having in junior a about players and about acquisition and about trades and, um, or even at, you know, at, at the triple a level, it was, it was interesting, you know, it's all just hockey and they're, they're players and, coaches you know are, are discussing the very same issues that you know a bantam coach are discussing it's just at a different scale and so it was really neat to sort of see the dynamic obviously 
the stress and the pressure at the National Hockey League is a little different because that is a league about winning and, you know, recognizing, getting to see some different coaches go through the levels of, of those particular teams within that organization while I was there was, was interesting because you recognize, you know, the ones that are sort of forward thinking growth mindset, the ones that are sort of really, you know, structured and boxed in how they do their things and, and how much control they're willing to give. Um, so I, I learned an absolute ton, um, you know, thankful to this day for that opportunity. It was, it was something that, um, not only was validating in that someone had recognized that, you know, I'm doing some, some pretty good stuff, I think, and, um, getting a chance to sort of live a dream and, and, you know, work for your first national hockey league team was something that, you know, you'll never forget. Yeah, no, that, that I think anytime you can get to the NHL level in whatever capacity it is, and we've heard guests on the podcast talk about um, pretty much every role in hockey operations to date, but I, I think that's interesting. And then, of course, having a unique story of how you kind of figured out um, that, that the job was yours as well will always be something you remember. And, and you talk about working with all these young players and being able to uh, kind of be involved in, in the process of developing a, a player like Jake McCabe or working with, Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt and so many players, uh, even all the way down to the ECHL level, um, you know, it kind of fuels your hunger to continue in the game and keep pushing for new ideas. And 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 one of the things that you also mentioned there was was the fact that you were kind of in the Ottawa area. Sure enough, it was Buffalo that would actually bring you in. And um, ironically <laughs> enough, eventually Ottawa would be the one of the teams that you would end up working for. Um, talk about how that opportunity came out, and then working with a lot of young talent uh, in a development role for the Senators. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, looking back at, at sort of the, the way that that went, I can still, you know, remember, you know, a good chunk of Ottawa's staff standing in the window watching me work with a guy, you know, prior to me being in Buffalo with a guy like Tyler Toffoli. And, and then, you know, again, I guess maybe they took notes and, and when an opportunity and, and certain people ended up in Buffalo, you know, the opportunity arose and, the cool part about that opportunity in, in Buffalo was that not only did I end up, you know, as a skating coach, um, I ended up as a skills coach as well. And, and so I, I really think, you know, the two are sort of interconnected. I'm a huge believer of, of skating as an athletic movement and a learned movement. And, and really, you know, I talk a lot to my players about syncing sort of three systems, their mind, their hands, and their feet. And so it was neat to be one of the few that have had that sort of dual role at the National Hockey League level. Um, and, and that sort of served me, you know, throughout to this day. Um, and so hockey being as volatile and funny as it is when, when um, you know, management changed in Buffalo, um, and, and, you know, Tim and, and everyone got let go. It, it's almost, you know, not uncommon that when, you know, one crew goes, everybody goes and people bring their own people. And that's just right or wrong or indifferent. That's, that's hockey. And um, it was an empty feeling because it really, had, you know, it felt, hey, I, you know, I, I thought I did a good job. And, you know, the, the indications I were given when I was told I wasn't going to be renewed um, were that, you know, it was just, an organizational decision they're bringing a new crew in and kind of anybody that had come in is 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 going at the same time as as that the group that brought them in and so that was really the first um 
you know, that, that's a tough one because you feel like you do a good job. And, and so, hey, you know, you learn from it and you move on. And I kind of have a, a motto that I'll use with players and, and I try to live it myself is it, it, it doesn't matter, just get better. And, um, you know, talking to the guys in Ottawa again, you know, Sean Donovan had, had reached out and, um, you know, that I was no longer in, in Buffalo. And I, I had certainly made it known that, you know, I, I'm open to opportunities and, um, yeah, I mean, the Ottawa thing was again, um, sort of an organic process and that, you know, in, in talking to, to the guys in Ottawa, it, it, it came about really quickly. It started with, a you know, a, a visit to development camp and, um, getting the opportunity to be on the ice with, with some of those guys. And, and again, I, I don't know what spurs it, I guess maybe from a reputational standpoint, I really pride myself on trying to treat people the right way and, and provide them quality and, and impact them in positive ways. And, um, so got the call to go to, to, um, development camp, which was kind of neat because, you know, a guy that was a client and Chris Kelly was still involved with the organization at the time. And so, you know, kind of getting to work with him a little bit at the end um, prior to him leaving to, to, to Boston and, um, you know, getting to see this influx of, of high end young talent was, was, was pretty intriguing um, because, you know, the, the cupboards are stocked with, with some good people and some good players there. And so, um, interesting you know I spent maybe more time with the NHL team than the American League team doing sessions and in, in, in developmental work um, which was was kind of different I mean in in Buffalo you know we've probably spent more time with American League than we did in the National Hockey League and so it's it's really you know each team's a little different I all, I'll often say I guess now we're up to 32 teams but it's it's 32 teams doing things 32 different ways but doing them the same as well and you know it was it was interesting to see different concepts and thought processes on developing players at the minor level the de- developing players at the national hockey league level to perform better in order to push the club forward um you know it, it was it was again a, a different opportunity but again i was sort of in the skills lane in terms of being a skills consultant at that time um, one of the most validating things I guess I did while I was in Ottawa is, is helping Bobby Ryan on his journey um, towards a Masterton and got to spend a lot of time in on-ice sessions with him as he was making his way back. And, you know, that personal interaction was something that was, you know, getting to, to meet a person and, and really spend a lot of time um, building back up and, and getting to the point where, where he was, was, was something that I'll take from my time there. And, um, you know, that there's a lot of good people in that organization. And, and, and certainly it was, uh, again, hometown NHL team was, was something that, um, you know, very validating. And obviously the pandemic came along and, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of initiatives and those sorts of things with, with what we're dealing with here. So, um, yeah, it, it was it was really neat to be with young players that are all very excited and wanting to establish themselves as as players at the National Hockey League level. Um, and really, you know, from a skill perspective, it's, you know, one of the things I really believe in is skill habits and details. Um, and it, it's not so much about skill with them. It's about the things that they do from a habit and skill base and a detail base that allow them to become everydayers. And so... Um, you know, the, the skill world's sort of full of the hokey stuff and the, the, the carefree sort of 
you know, um, things that don't necessarily translate to a game. And I've always tried to pride myself on how do I help a player perform within a game better? Um, and so, you know, I found my time with those players, they, they would certainly eat that up. That's something that, you know, they really, um, are hungry to, you know, it's an exciting time, I think in Ottawa, because it looks to be a bright future around the corner. For sure. There's so many, uh, you know, elite young talent coming in anytime there's a kind of a rebuilding process, you see that, but it's always beneficial to have someone like you kind of working with those players and even some of the more experienced players, you know, the Bobby Ryan situation, uh, Definitely a lot of people following that and happy to see that he's successfully back in the game now and then doing well for himself. And, uh, you know, just building on all these opportunities, especially at the NHL, you're able to learn um, so many things and kind of develop your own habits as well. I guess one question I have for you is, uh, you know, having worked with so many elite players at that level, how often do you find yourself picking up new things from them uh, in addition to, you know, trying to teach them as well during your sessions? I mean, a ton. I, I mean, anybody that's in a position like the ones that I've been in, I, I mean, I think there's sort of the forward thinkers, the growth mindset type people. I, I like to pride myself in being one of those ones where I'm constantly seeking out knowledge, but knowledge not knowledge not to just provide a session or a skate um, but knowledge to impact performance does what we're doing work and why. And uh, I'm a big believer that if it doesn't occur in a game, it probably shouldn't occur in training. And so for sure, learning from the way that those players move, trying to create, um, comfort level and stressful situations using skill to solve problems. And I think some of what gives skill a bad name is, you know, you can go on the internet and find people jumping and flipping and popping and flame emojis and, 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 you know, EDM music around, look at this cool drill. And to me, it's never been about the drill. It's, it's, you know, the process that, that I would use with players. And I try to look at the things that they find themselves in often, and then look at how successful they are at the things they do and then sort of reverse engineer and figure it. All right. Is there a skill deficiency? Is there a, you know, a, a, a neurological um, deficiency, meaning is there, there are things we need to do from a sense perspective to help them improve an awareness perspective to help them improve. Um, is there, is the skating providing the time that they need? Is there tweaks that can be made to a learned physical movement, such as skating, um, that maybe affords them that little bit more time. And so, you know, I, I'm not a huge believer in the, the one leg inside, outside edge skulls around cones and things that, uh, you know, I, I think that the way players and athletes move has to come from an athletic learn movement standpoint. And ultimately, you know, as a pro, they only have so much time in the game. And so really, I try to look at it from a different lens is not how do I get this player to fit in the box? It's can I recognize their trajectory and potential as a player? And then what can I do to enhance their ability to perform within the structure that all head coaches that, you know, really want to have control of every scenario um, can have their player better perform because of their exposure to someone like me. And so I, I don't have the desire to change the player from what the coach wants. I just want to try to enhance their ability to perform within the role that they're given specifically in season. Um, it's not for me to try to turn a fourth line guy into a, a first line winger, you know, 
some of the work is in the off season, but it's an ongoing 365 day thing with players for me. And that, you know, can I have them in their skill ability and their process ability and their ability to link their three systems as players, their mind, their hand skill and their foot skill. Can I have those three things synchronize and have them become a better version of themselves? Because, you know, better components can, can equal better product. You know, you pay more for a better car because they're put together better, they're engineered better, and they have better parts. And so it's, to me, it's kind of the sum of all parts approach to how can we help you perform within the job better. And players really drive that for me. It's it's evaluating no two skaters skate the same. There's no two same skating strides. There's, you know, there's no two players that process the game equally. And And recognizing that, really has has driven me in terms of how my process is to help a player reach their potential. No, just a, a great point there. And, and, you know, again, that's the kind of things that you learn over time and working with so many players and especially at the elite level, you can really see how things translate from the practice setting into the game and you can make adjustments with that. And um, one of the other opportunities that you had was with Gatineau at the QMJHL level working as a consultant. Um, maybe just briefly talk about how that opportunity came your way, but then also having worked at the NHL level around that, um, did it kind of change your approach, uh, you know, specifically the team setting, working with that program? Um, yeah, great question. Um, I had met, um, I had met Eric Landry at a, at a hockey Canada conference and, and we just, you know, we had got talking and, um, the, the way that position came about, um, it was sort of a couple years in the making. Um, you know, we, we just talked our beliefs in hockey and, and players and development. And um, it sort of led to, to him, you know, Eric had had some boys and, and, you know, he had wound up finding his way to me in, in the summer and, and brought his boys to me and sort of took some, some liking to the way and the process that I would use in terms of helping young players develop. And, um, you know, again, it started organically, had done a couple of, of rookie camps for them. And, and then, um, you know, again, major juniors, obviously a different scale of budget than junior a, but still budget control to a certain degree. And so, you know, uh, eventually it turned into a situation where, Hey, you know, we, we've got an ability to bring you in. Um, are you interested in it? And you know what? I, I thought, yeah, for sure. Um, it was, it was again, another, sort of bucket list item, not unlike Pembroke, Gatineau's a storied franchise and one that, you know, not being so far away from, you sort of admire over the years and their ability to turn out players. And, and um, one of my clients, Claude Giroux, had always talked really highly about, you know, his experience there and those sorts of things. And um, can remember going in and watching him play as a teenager, you know, prior to even knowing him, um, and, you know, when, when Sidney Crosby's coming to town with, with Ramuski. And so just, you know, I looked at it and thought, number one, storied franchise. Number two, great opportunity to work with young players that are just trying to realize their dreams and get to places. And if I can somehow help in some small way, um, it, it's something that I would be interested in doing. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't think my process changed. You know, I, I kind of coined a term, turning players into pros you know, all those kids at that level, they have aspirations of playing on. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't get to realize that dream, but, you know, my dream kind of turned into trying to help others attain that, that dream. And so, 
you know, making sure they understand the difference between skill and game applicable skill or hard skill. Um, there really is a difference and the world's full of people that proclaim skill, um, game applicability for me. And, and then can you do it when people are trying to stop you? Um, and so helping young players at that level that, that want to put up numbers and want to show and want to do things and, and helping them recognize the process sort of trumps the outcome every day of the week. And so building skill habits that, you know, allow them to extend possession, allow them to handle pucks that, that aren't optimal, um, allow them to access areas that allow them to, to create opportunity to, to produce offense, um, introducing them to that line of, you know, being able to make plays in possession because of your skill set uh, is, is more valuable than, than, you know, just being a chase and, and, you know, a chip and charge kind of guy having more in the bag that chip and charge isn't going anywhere. It's always there if you need it, but can you make a play at pace? Can you do things in an assertive firm manner that will allow you to realize your dreams and, and maybe play at the next level and, you know, maybe ultimately the national hockey league. Yeah, definitely. That's uh that's so key. And, uh, you know, so many elite players at, at the major junior level and a lot of them just kind of coming into their own. So it's a really a great uh, maybe stage in their development to really start uh, focusing on those habits and, and introducing them into these next level concepts because you want to see them kind of progress and, and implement that in their own training. And uh, one of the things that you, you uh, kind of introduced there as well as your work with Hockey Canada, and I know there was a few different situations. So um, maybe just in a more general sense, talk about the opportunity to work with the Hockey Canada brand and, and what you learned uh, through your certification with the national program as well. Yeah, it was, it's going back a few years now. It was, it was um, kind of got a call to the blue from the branch that, that I had been itemized as a guy, you know, going back, I, I was probably still in Buffalo. I was still in Buffalo at the time and there was, 18 of us across the country that were selected as, as people that were within the development skill skating um, portion of the game. Um, and, and they were coming out with a new stream of, of um, focus, if you will, in terms of people within the game, especially on the development side. And so um, was selected to go and, and went to Calgary and, you know, it was really neat because at the time, the bulk of us that, that were there were rather involved with NHL teams, um, were former players that are becoming enveloped, you know, becoming involved in the development aspect. Um, now, the program has changed. Now, you know, anyone can, can sort of sign up and, you know, if you've got a, a little bit of knowledge, you can find your way out there to get certified. But it came from a spot where kind of us as that original crew what they were trying to do is, and it's, it's such a great initiative, is, is broaden the, the web in Canada with people from a developmental standpoint, skating skills, developing defensemen, body checking and goaltending, and expose our players to as much ability to develop and have some commonality with the way that it's administered um, and, and the way that it's, it's, you know, the verbiage that's used in those sorts of things. So there's some continuity across our country in terms of how players are developed because, you know, really have pucks will travel. If you got a bucket of pucks and some people that'll follow you, then boom, all of a sudden you're a development person. And so I think what hockey Canada was trying to do is standardize some so that, you know, it, it's a professional industry and, um, it, it's, you know, 
it's not to take away from the people that have a passion and, and want to try to coach and do things because a lot of our coaching, especially at the minor level in Canada is volunteer based and God bless people's heart for spending their time and their resources to do that. But, you know, I think we see other countries in the world are doing a really good job at, at developing their players, considerably smaller countries with, with less players are pumping out, you know, really good players, at, at really high rates. And so, you know, I think if, if you're not evolving, you know, you're declining. And so I think hockey Canada's mindset was let's really push some momentum and some thought process into to having a network of people out there that um, can develop, you know, not only a novice or, a, you know, a U8, uh, but right up, you know, to the national hockey league level and everything in between and, and make that sort of quality, accessible across the board to people and so I know that initiative has grown quite a lot since my time and so part of what I do um, you know there's some involved in that program now that just want the you know the the ticket and say hey you know I'm on par with these people and I got the ticket and I you know I have always believed in giving back I do a lot of coach coach the coach sessions during the season on various aspects of development you know via Hockey Canada I think that's really important um, making that knowledge and, you know, accessible to people, making it so that it's easy for, you know, coaches that if they have questions, they can reach out. Um, you know, we're all on the same team from that perspective. So if you're a, you know, a woman or a man coaching a, a girl's team or a boy's team, you know, you should have access to, to being able to ask people that have gone through it. And, you know, I wish I had growing up, you know, as a young coach, I wish I had the ability to call up my branch or to call up someone from Hockey Canada and say, hey, what would you do with this? You know, um, sort of stripping the ego out of it. And and um, if I have knowledge and I don't share it, what's it for? You know, I, I try not to have that. You still see a lot of that in hockey, these guys that think it's proprietary. Well, um if, if we're in it for the right reasons, making people better shouldn't be proprietary. Making young players have a passion for the game and come and improve shouldn't be proprietary in my eyes. No, I think that's a, a great point there as well. Just, uh, you know, like you say, if you have the knowledge and, and you're in it to, to genuinely develop players and, and coaches at the same time, um, you know, there's no reason to keep it to yourself and you, and you want to pass on, pass along the knowledge at the end of the day and, um, you know, just working with Hockey Canada, you really get to see the the, the full branch of, of what they're trying to do in the country in terms of development. And another country you actually got to do some work with is Australia, actually doing a brief experience as an assistant coach. Um, maybe talk about how, how that opportunity came about and, and how you found yourself on the bench there and um, and just kind of what you took from the unique experience overall. Yeah, again, just in my travels, um I had a, an acquaintance in hockey that, that approached me and said, Hey, you know, I, he had been over there, you know, going to university, um, taking his, his, uh, his teaching degree and, uh, was involved with, with the Australian program. And then sure enough, um, he was selected to coach and said to me, Hey, I need help. You know, I, I was a little further along in my coaching journey. And so came and said, you know, would you, would you come and be an assistant or an associate? And, I said, sure, anything that I can do to help. I thought it was a really neat opportunity. Um, so our, our training camp was in Mexico City, um, which if you've never been to Mexico City as a, as a guy from um, the Ottawa Valley, uh, getting on a plane and flying to Mexico, you know, what you think of Mexico in terms of, you know, they 
here it's sort of thought of as a vacation destination. And then you fly into Mexico city and there's as many people in that city as there is in Canada. Um, it, it was, it was pretty daunting. Um, I'd never seen anything like it. And then, you know, to meet the team, some of which had affiliations to Canada, but you, you know, it was their national team. It was their men's national team. And so it was the coolest experience I'd been involved in, in a while being that, this was their, you know, this was their world championship. So it was division two. Um, and the pride that those players exhibited in the way that they approached each day playing for their men's national team, um, their thirst for knowledge. I mean, obviously they were, were behind some, some of the players that played junior in Canada and some different things, but for the most part, it was, um, it was such an eye opener in what we take for granted in Canada and in terms of, access to coaching and development and different things and so it was so validating because they were just there was a thirst for knowledge and and then you get into this tournament after a 10-day training camp and um you know we 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 won silver uh our lost gold i guess depend on how you look at it and and it was uh it was a different brand of hockey you know just based on talent the way you may want to play versus the way you kind of had to play. But boy, I mean, these, these players gave everything they had and, and it was, it was such a, a neat experience and that they were so proud of, of winning a silver. Um, and, you know, I think we lost one game in the tournament and that wound up being from the round Robin perspective, the difference to between gold and, and, and silver. And it was just, uh, it was neat to see the other countries and the Canadians that were involved in their programs, um, at the coaching level and whatnot. And, you know, it's, it's something that, uh, I'll never forget. I enjoyed it. it. It was, it was so cool to, you know, the medal ceremony and, and watching those players, take it all in and, and sing their national anthem at the top of their lungs. It was, uh, it was, it was a really neat experience. Definitely. And anytime you can work with a, a national program, definitely hockey Canada being a big one, but in these tournament settings, for sure, you know, Australia, we've had um, some guests have even worked with the Canadian Olympic team. Some have, have gone overseas and, and uh, just talk about places like Siberia and, and, uh, you know, so many different countries that, that uh, not everybody thinks of initially when they think of hockey, but um, there's still a, pro- a sense of pride and sense of development and, and players still playing the game for the right reasons. And, uh, you know, just before we get to our last few questions here, uh, just a couple more before the reflective stage, uh, the Peak Center for Human Performance is somewhere that you've been involved with for a number of years. Um, just talk about that brand and then uh, your overall experience here over the last uh, number of years. Yeah, I mean, the Peak Center for Human Performance is something that's really, I think, been a difference maker for me as a coach. Um, One of the few nationally accredited um, training and testing centers um, for Sport Canada. And so I I really got to immerse myself in the academic portion of of coaching, of human development, um, of human performance from a biomechanic perspective. Uh, from a physiological perspective, from a neurological perspective, um, pushing me outside my comfort zone and, instead of just being a hockey guy or a skills guy. And, and, you know, a lot of these these skating experts or skills experts, when you dig in, there's no real teeth to the things that, you know, they're preaching in many cases. And so this has really been something that's driven my evidence-based mindset forward you know, understanding how a human learns and being able to teach a person in the way that they learn 
and and not vice versa. Really changing um, the narrative of do it because I said so. Instead, changing how I teach to serve my athlete. Um, recognizing the biomechanical and the physiological nature of the way you know motor movements are learned. Um, I think has made me a better skating coach, you know, again, you know, me putting stuff out and putting an NHL jacket on and getting you to inside outside edge skull down the ice because I'm an NHL skating coach. Again, understanding how the human body works was something that, that really has made a difference in, in my exposure there and continued exposure there allows me, I believe an advantage for those that want to see it, I mean, the, the reality is hockey is such an interesting sport because you can, if you're in it for the wrong reasons, you can, you know, you can put the right jacket on and, and people will come to you. I, I really like to believe that I try to do things the right way and that every athlete's individual, but there's a, there's a, an evidence-based way that athletes' minds and bodies develop. And, you know, Learning about the long-term athlete development model is something that, you know, you say LTAD to a lot of people in the hockey industry and they kind of look at you. Now, there, there are some that are all over it and educated to the point where they can get that and understand it and implement it in day-to-day life. But, you know, I talk a lot about hockey being a heritage-based sport. You know, I like to push forward with my thirst for knowledge in better ways and not just get stuck in what what used to work or, you know, the idea that, you know, if I'm a former player, what worked for me is the way we're going to teach it. Well, what if, you know, you're a six foot four, 800 game uh, National Hockey League player and I'm five foot seven and my physiology is different than yours and, and the way that I can succeed is different. And so, you know, the, the, the thing that Peak Center's done for me is allowed me to back evidence with the things that I'll do, education with the things that I'll do, and, and, and science to back. Um, the reasons we do the things we do. Um, you know, I, I really believe that if I'm the smartest person in the room, I want to move to a new room. I, I never want to be the smartest person in the room. And these people have challenged me to be uncomfortable. They've challenged me to become a better coach. Um, they've challenged me whenever I put hard blocks around something I really believed in. Um, they, they they force you to get better. And, and that's been a, a really impactful thing for me as a coach but I, I think it impacts my players um you know I, I'll, I'll say that I I, I just it, it's really given me a process and reaffirmed my process to help people become better because the things that we're doing are backed by science backed by evidence backed by education um and not just do them because I said so and, and taking advantage of you know, the fragile nature of a player's want to improve or a family or a parent's want for their player to improve. Um, you know, long-term athlete development model is exactly that. It's long-term and there's a process behind it. And so, you know, the, the people that are selling the quick fix or the pill, if you will, um, you know, that, that's just, there's a better way. And, and I like to be on that curve of, of being the better way and finding the better way. And I think that's a great way to kind of move forward in, in your career and, and definitely, you know, stay relevant and, and continue to look for these new trends. And ironically, I had a question lined up to ask you about how often you work to stay on top of trends and, and look for new ideas. And it seems like uh, from every question that I've kind of given you thus far in the interview, it, that's just been a natural thing that you do at every position. So I guess turning it around then, 
you know, starting off, uh, you know, you're looking for these opportunities and maybe they don't come as quickly until you kind of develop in the field. How hard was it to break into skills coaching and build that name? And, and then maybe additionally, um, how hard was it to kind of learn the skills that uh, you kind of built your foundation there on? I, I don't know that it was, was hard for me to break in because I didn't even know I was breaking in, to be honest. I, I think I built a reputation organically and my sole focus was my athlete and the performance that they had based on their exposure to me. Um, hockey's incredibly tough to break into. Um, you, you've heard the saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And so that, that can be very frustrating. I, I, I mean, um, to look and see players or, or coaches, sorry, you know, at various levels in development in the National Hockey League that aren't as qualified, don't have a track record, but, you know, knew the right people. But that's every industry. Um, I, I think hockey's certainly that way maybe more than some industries but again if you know it's not uncommon that if I know you and and I go back with you you know maybe I'm not going to look with as quite the the same discerning eye to someone else that's trying to come into the organization than if I have a relationship with you that I think that's the nature of the world but it's frustrating because you know opportunities um especially at the National Hockey League level you may have a player that's played or recently retired or you know you know, they're going to get opportunities and that's just that, that's just the industry. And it doesn't matter if, if someone's got 15 or 20 years, you you just have to believe that you do quality work. Um, Your players improve, you treat people right. You respect the game. You have honor with the way and integrity and ethics in the way that you operate. Um, You have to, you have to have that hope that, that those things will break through in the end. I'm a really big believer that smart people run the world um, I want to get smarter every day. I want to get better at what I do every day. And, you know, as forward as hockey has come, it's got a, still a ways to go in terms of gathering data points, finding new ways to help people improve. Um, it, it's coming. The, the day is coming that, that more and more people with specialties in various aspects, subject matter experts, um, you know, are, are going to become more normal. We're not there yet, but it's coming. And, you know, that, that thirst for knowledge, you, you know, you got to have a thick skin and you got to be willing to play the long game because you just don't know when your opportunity will come and you got to be ready when it does. And, and hockey and life is not fair. Um, but if you believe in what you're doing, you have a quality component to your mindset and the way that you operate on a day-to-day basis, you treat people right. You don't let your ego get in the way, you know, ego is the enemy. Um, you know, be a servant to the game, love, love the game and, and, and be ready to do the things you need and be adaptable. Um, you know, I think those are, are some big things for people trying to get into the industry because it's certainly not a, a quick reward type of industry. Um, I look back over the last two decades and wonder where it went, but you know, I wouldn't change the journey for anything. Um, the fact that I get to be, you know, on the ice with world-class people, um, world-class in their sport, you know, top 1% in, in the industry. Um, that maybe is as validating as working for a team as having an individual player at the National Hockey League, an all-star, a 100-point player, a, a captain, um, you know, having a session with 50 or $60 million worth of players on the ice, having them 
you, you know, spend their time and their resources with you because they believe you give them an advantage to help, you know, that that's as validating as, as ever working for a team. And, you know, I think we all like to don the colors and work, but those are the sorts of things that make me feel very proud of where I've come from and what I've accomplished. Um, the fact that, you know, you get that text after a game or that, that call after a game and looking for guidance and insight and, and, and just sometimes just the thank you, you know, that makes it all worth it. And, and so, um, you know, passion, resiliency, um, work ethic and a thirst and hunger for knowledge will, will take you a long way in this game. For sure. And I, I think that uh, we see people continually on the podcast who are succeeding and moving up those levels. It's that thirst for knowledge that's really driving the boat a lot of times. And and we see uh, people learn from from people in the industry, but a lot of times it comes from outside resources as well. And, uh, you know, lists includes books, articles, webinars, presentations, so many different resources out there. Uh, for people listening today, do you have any specific resources that you've liked to reference over the last number of years that you would recommend to them? Uh, I, I read so many books. It's tough to, to pinpoint one. The last one, um, I'm looking at it across the room, Coaching the Mental Game, um, H.A. Dorf um, is the author, is, is a book that, um, again, just you know, recognizing how to communicate. That's, that's something that, that a book like that's drawn me to, um, a ton of podcasts, obviously, um, Brian and Tim kite online doesn't matter, get better. Um, that particular mindset for me, um, it was a, a podcast with urban Meyer, um, that, you know, really understanding sort of discipline, in your approach to the way you develop and the things that you do has been something that's, that's, you know, really piqued my interest and keen my eye, um, you know, greatly because so much of, of developing is putting the time in the right areas and the right attention in the right areas. Um, and, and not being afraid to be uncomfortable. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, those two sort of things jump out one because it's fresh and one because it's ongoing for me. Yeah, I always love that question just for the the sheer amount of resources that we get in the range of resources. But two uh, two excellent suggestions there that uh, people can use in their in their pursuit of hockey and, and just developing overall. Um, you know, you, you've offered a lot of advice here in the interview today. So I, I think I might actually move on from the the final piece of advice question. But one of the things that I'm really interested in uh, given your position is, is the mentorship that has gone on over the years. Um, is, is there maybe a few people who have really stood out in terms of helping you develop your skills? And that includes both on and off the ice. And then what are maybe some of the lessons that they taught you collectively? Yeah. I, I mean, it just, you know, thinking of coaching the mental game and, and that book, it's H.A. Dorfman uh, is, is the author. Um I think I take a little bit from everyone, both, both good and bad. Um, I, I found a great resource for me is, you know, has been a guy like Rob Murphy. He was director of scouting in Buffalo. Um, and, and he's a pro scout in Ottawa now. And it's been really neat because I, I use him in from a <clears throat> scouting perspective, excuse me, to, to be able to sort of validate my, 
thought process and, and the way that I branch things and deliver them from a skill perspective, what's valued versus what's not. He's He's been a resource over the years um, that's certainly been um, a guy I've relied on. Um, Andrew Allen's another guy that I've kept in touch with, you know, A, from our time in Buffalo. Uh, we go back a number of years. He was a goaltender, uh, and now he's a pro scout in Seattle. Um, he's a guy that that's, you know, sees the game from a lens and, and, you know, I've always sort of gravitated back to his advice on various things, um, in terms of the way the game is played and trends and things that he's seeing. Um, you know, interestingly, my wife is someone that, um, she's, she's great because she's, she's, God bless her. She's been involved in hockey and, and I, I think is a tremendous resource for me based on, on her background in, in IT and in, in project management and different things in terms of building planning and me structuring my, my programming and my thought process. And, and she's been a great resource, you know, not just as, as what I see as obviously my wife, but as a colleague to me to be able to, to ask me the hard questions and not just be a fan, but challenge me on things is, is really been something that um, has been helpful for sure. Um, I mean, there's, there's just, there's so many, I, I think I, I take, a lot from from everybody that I'm in contact with, whether it's clients, um, you know, I've developed a relationship with with Claude Giroux that is really intriguing to see the game through his eyes and 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 what he sees and in, in the open, you know, the back and forth forum by which we go back and forth and challenge one another to be better um, ha- has been something um, th- that's been really impactful um for me so you know from those perspectives i think that that you know those are some ones that pop out for me is is it's not every day you get to sort of see some of those different avenues but they all sort of bring something different to the to the mental makeup that i try to bring every day to to the way that i impact people yeah and and just so many great hockey minds and even like you said people who who just bring a different perspective whether it's organization and management and i think at the end of the day it it goes a long way in developing your own career and your own mindset and and for you that's been very successful to this day so uh pat i know i've taken up enough of your time here so i just want to thank you once again for for joining me on the podcast i thoroughly enjoyed the conversation about the different experiences and, and places and people you've met and I wish you all the best here moving forward. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. It's, it's uh, always great to talk hockey. Um, I follow your work and, and uh, really impressive the stuff that you've done. Again, congrats on the new position. And uh, anytime, love to talk hockey. And, and if I can be of help or, or assistance on anything, don't ever hesitate to reach out. All right, listen, I really appreciate that. And, and take care. Take care. One thing that fans within the game, hockey minds, and players can agree upon is that when done responsibly, there's nothing better at the end of the day than a cold beer that you enjoy for both its taste and its aroma. And this segment of the Hockey Minds podcast is brought to you by Kitty Vitty Brewery. You can visit their taproom now open seven days a week and their new retail location in St. John's, Newfoundland at 16 Harborview Avenue. If you're one of those people who are maybe looking for some more entertainment, somewhere to sit with friends, you can definitely check out their original location in Kitty Vitty, Newfoundland.
Join the Kitty Vitty Craft Club at kittyvittybrewery.ca and give them a follow on social media to keep up to date on the latest brew news. If you're not from Newfoundland and not from the East Coast and you want to get involved, definitely follow them on social media and learn more about their beer, which is great for the casual beer drinking fan and also the beer enthusiasts. And stay tuned, because who knows, maybe they'll find their way to get their beer to a location near you. Check out Kitty Vitty Brewery today for more information on their beer, clothing, and all things Kitty Vitty Brewery. I'd like to thank Pat for coming on the podcast and sharing his insight and philosophies in his area of expertise. There's so many ways to find yourself at the NHL level, and I believe that Pat's story is one that clearly demonstrates the hard work needed to make that progression an eventual reality. If you would like to get in touch with Pat to learn more about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly, or you can contact Hockey Minds Podcast at Outlook.com, and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Ian Anderson, former NHL and AHL video coach. Ian is another interesting individual whose hockey journey has led him to multiple continents, so be sure to circle back for that release this weekend. Once again, thank you to everyone for supporting the podcast, and be sure to give us your thoughts and opinions, as well as connect with us on our various social media platforms. As always, stay safe, and all the best.